Amen. All right. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight. I'd ask for you to go with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 18. Isaiah chapter number 18. We'll begin reading at verse number 1. We'll read the entire chapter as is our custom. Isaiah chapter number 18. We'll begin reading at verse number 1. We'll read the entire chapter. If you do not have a Bible, raise your hand and we can get one to you. Isaiah chapter number 18. And we'll begin reading at verse number 1. The Bible says, Woe! To the land shadowing with wings, which is beyond the river of Ethiopia, that sendeth ambassadors by the sea, even in vessels of bulrushes upon the waters, saying, Go ye swift messengers to a nation scattered and peeled, beginning hitherto, a nation meted out and trodden down, whose land the rivers have spoiled. All ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth, see ye... When he lifteth up an ensign on the mountain, and when he bloweth a trumpet, hear ye. For so the Lord said unto me, I will take my rest, and I will consider in my dwelling place like a clear heat upon herbs, and like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. For afore the harvest, when the bud is perfect, and the sour grape is ripening in the flower, he shall both cut off the sprigs and pruning hooks, and take away and cut down the branches, and they shall be left together unto the fowls of the mountain and to the beast of the earth. And the fowls shall summer upon them, and all the beasts of the earth shall winter upon them. In that time shall the present be brought unto the Lord of hosts of a people scattered and peeled, and from a people terrible from their beginning hitherto, a nation meted out and trodden underfoot, whose land the rivers have spoiled, to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, the Mount Zion. And let's go ahead and bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come again to you asking that you'd please bless this time as we open up your word and as we attempt to study it, help us to be able to uh, study and understand it uh, in, in the proper context. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be able to learn from it, to be blessed by it. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Isaiah chapter 18, and I'd like to ask if anybody knows what this chapter is about, because I really don't know. <laughs> and uh, Isaiah 18 is kind of a, a difficult chapter, and um, the people that I've been, that I talk to and listen to, and, and anyone I've known that, that has studied the book of Isaiah, everybody agrees that Isaiah chapter 18 is, is probably the most difficult passage in the book of Isaiah uh, because it's the most obscure. And I'll be honest with you, if you, if you listen to 12 different guys, you're going to get 12 different views. And uh, I don't know that anybody really knows what Isaiah 18 is about. And, uh, and I just want to be honest with you. I'm going to give you the best uh, uh, study that I can do in regards to what this passage is about. And uh, if you disagree, I'd be interested to know what your, your thoughts are. Um, but if you look at verse number one, and, and here's where a lot of the problem comes in. In Isaiah 18 and verse one, the Bible says, woe to the land. Now, there's a, there's a debate as to what land Isaiah is referring to in, in when he says, woe to the land, because he doesn't tell us the land. He says, woe to the land with wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. And there's a lot of different, uh, di- there's a lot of debate, and a lot, a lot of different people think the land is, uh, could be something or, or not. Some people think it's Ethiopia. Some, some people believe it's, it's Babylon. Um, and like I said, I, I don't know that anybody really knows, but I, I'm of the belief, and as we study this, 
I'm going to try to show you why, where I came to, to the understanding that I came to. I'm of the belief that the city, this, in, in Isaiah 18, verse 1, this land is uh, the land of Ethiopia. Now, let me explain to you why some people don't believe it's Ethiopia. Notice at the end of the verse where it says, um, is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. It says that the, the shadowing with wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. And, and many people say that because the rivers or the, the shadowing goes beyond Ethiopia, that it encompasses Ethiopia and it's a bigger uh, kingdom. I, I think it's very likely that it's Ethiopia. And, and here's a few reasons why. Uh, Ethiopia, during the time of Isaiah, was a major world power. Uh, and it actually ruled Egypt. Now, that's what the history books tell us, but the Bible also kind of teaches that concept, and, and let me show you why. Keep your finger there in Isaiah 18, but just turn a few pages over to Isaiah chapter number 20. Uh, when you study Ethiopia in the Bible, and specifically I'm talking about the prophetic books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, you will find that Ethiopia and Egypt are often associated together. Let me just give you a few examples of that. Isaiah chapter 20 and verse 3, the Bible says this, and the Lord said, like as many sir, uh, uh, and the Lord said, like as my servant Isaiah hath walked naked and barefoot three years for a sign and wonder, and notice this, upon Egypt and upon Ethiopia. So do you see how God links these two nations together? Upon Egypt and upon Ethiopia. Skip down to verse number five. Notice what he says. And they shall be afraid and ashamed of Ethiopia, their expectation, and of Egypt, their glory. Do you notice how the two nations are kind of linked together, Ethiopia and Egypt? Keep your finger there in Isaiah 20, because we're going to come right back to it. But go to Isaiah 43 and look at verse 3. Isaiah 43 and verse number 3. Isaiah 43, 3 says, For I am the Lord thy God, and the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior, I gave Egypt, Isaiah 43 and verse 3. Notice he says, I gave Egypt for thy ransom and, uh, I'm sorry, I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. So I'm just wanting you to notice that God, it, when, I, when, you, when you're studying Isaiah, go to Isaiah 45, look at verse 14. Isaiah 45 and verse 14. When you study the, the, the concept of Egypt, Ethiopia or Egypt in the book of Isaiah, you'll find that there's this link between them. They're mentioned together. Isaiah 45, 14 says, Thus saith the Lord, the labor of Egypt and merchandise of Ethiopia. Do you see that? And of the Sabians, men of stature, shall come over unto thee. And it goes on. And what I want you to understand is, history tells us that during the time of Isaiah, uh, Ethiopia was a world power that encompassed Egypt, but the Bible seems to agree with that, because whenever God talks to Egypt, he mentions Ethiopia, or whenever he talks to Ethiopia, he mentions Egypt. And I just showed you the references in the book of Isaiah. We could look at more references in Ezekiel and, um, and Jeremiah. Go back to Isaiah chapter 20, though, and look at verse 4. I want you to notice that not only does God talk about Ethiopia and Egypt together as one, almost one kingdom, or associated together, but the Bible also talks about Ethiopia being an adversary or being against Assyria. Isaiah chapter 20 and verse 4, the Bible says this, So shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptian prisoners and the Ethiopians. Do you see that? So the king of Assyria is going to lead away the Egyptian prisoners and the Ethiopians. Opians. And the, the Ethiopians and Egyptians are, and Egypt are always associated together. And, and here's what you got to understand. Go back to Isaiah chapter 18. In Isaiah 19, 
We have the prophecy of Egypt's destruction by Assyria. Now, I already showed you that every time that Ethiopia is mentioned, Egypt is mentioned with it. And in chapter 19, if you look at, look at verse 1 of Isaiah 19, the Bible says, the burden of Egypt. Do you see that? And the whole chapter that we'll be dealing with next week is about the destruction of Egypt uh, with the Assyrians. So if every time that Egypt is mentioned, Ethiopia is mentioned, and in chapter 19 we deal with the destruction of Egypt by the Assyrians, then it would make sense that chapter 18 is dealing with Ethiopia. Now, you know, you ask the question, well, why, why does it say a shadowing with wings which is beyond the river of Ethiopia? I believe the idea here and what God is trying to explain to us is that the kingdom of Ethiopia that he's referring to, uh, it, it's, it goes beyond Ethiopia itself. Because obviously, if you look at a map, if Ethiopia uh, rules over Egypt, then it's gone out of its borders. It's even gone you know, past, it has to go through what we know as Sudan, and that would be a huge, so I believe what God is telling us is that the kingdom of Ethiopia has a shadow that spans beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, and he's talking about this nation. Now, here's what you say, well, why are we going into this? Because here's what we're going to understand. There's two nations that are talked about in this chapter. And in order to be able to apply it properly, you kind of have to have an idea of who he's talking about. I believe that in verse 1, and I can't tell you for sure, uh, but I believe in verse 1 we're talking about the world power of Ethiopia at the time. Now, I know today Ethiopia is, is you know, we, we think of Ethiopia, we think of people that are starving. But at one time it was a world power and it encompassed uh, Egypt. And it was, it, its shadow went further than the rivers of Ethiopia. Now, here's what you got to understand. If you look at verse 2, Isaiah 18 and verse 2, if, if in verse 1 we're talking about this nation of Ethiopia, this kingdom of Ethiopia, verse 2 says, that sendeth ambassadors by the sea. Now, an ambassador is a diplomat sent by a country as its official representative of a foreign country. So this nation in verse 1 is sending ambassadors in verse 2 by the sea, even in vessels of bulrushes upon the waters, saying, Go ye swift messengers to a nation. Now now notice, the nation in verse 1 is sending ambassadors to the nation in verse 2. Now, the nation in verse 2, we're not told what this nation is, but it is described for us. It says, go to a nation, notice, scattered and peeled, to a people terrible from their beginning hitherto, a nation meted out and trodden down, whose land the rivers have spoiled. So here's the question. If Ethiopia is the nation in verse number 1, what is the nation in verse number 2? Well, in verse number 2, we're given some phrases to describe it. We're told that it is a nation scattered and peeled. We're told that it is a people terrible from their beginning hitherto. We're told that a nation meted out and trotted down. We're told whose land the rivers have spoiled. Now, if you skip down to the last uh, verse in this chapter, to uh, verse number 7 of Isaiah 18, this nation is mentioned again, and we're given the same description But we're given one more description that I believe helps us identify the nation in verse number 2. Notice what it says in Isaiah 18 and verse 7. It says, In that time shall the present be brought unto the Lord of hosts. Now notice how it matches the description from verse 2. A people scattered and peeled. In verse 2 it said a nation scattered and peeled. And from a people terrible from their beginning hitherto, just like it said in verse 2. 
a nation meted out and trodden underfoot, just like it said in verse number 2, whose land the rivers have spoiled, just like it said in verse number 2, but we're given one more description in verse 7. It says, to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, the Mount Zion. So we know what Mount Zion is. And we know where Mount Zion is. So I believe if we, if we take the description from verse number 7, we are pretty, it's a pretty good guess that the nation being spoken to in verse 2 is the nation of Israel, the place of, uh, of the name of the Lord of hosts, the Mount Zion. So, and here's what you need to understand, okay? And, and that kind of identifies that. The, 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 the nation that's receiving the ambassadors from the nation in, cha- in verse 1 is probably Israel because they're a nation that has the place of the name of the Lord of hosts and it has the Mount Zion and that kind of identifies for us uh, Israel. Now, let me just review with you a little bit because the, the, it's only seven verses. The sermon is going to be real short tonight, but you kind of need to understand the, the context of what's going on here. And like I said, I don't know that anybody knows. We're going to get to heaven and God is going to you know, tell us what this is all about. But here's what you got to understand. In chapter 17, last week, we dealt with the prophecy of Assyria coming down and destroying, if you remember, Damascus and Ephraim. Now, Ephraim, we talked about last week, was the main tribe of the northern kingdom of Israel. And when God just spoke about Israel in general, he just called them Ephraim. So in chapter 17, we're told that the Assyrians are going to come down to Israel and destroy it. In chapter 18, we deal with, I believe, Ethiopia, which would make sense because every time Ethiopia is mentioned, Egypt is mentioned. And in chapter 19, we learn about the destruction of Egypt. We'll talk about that next week. So my opinion is this, that Assyria is coming down to Israel to destroy it. And Ethiopia, who encompasses Egypt, is a world power that rivals Assyria. And they're sending messengers and they're sending ambassadors to Israel Probably, and again, I can't tell you that that's for sure. We'll have to get to heaven and ask God. But probably to try to set some sort of an alliance, because why would you send ambassadors to a nation if it wasn't for some sort of political dealings? Probably to form some sort of alliance uh, so that Israel and Ethiopia will maybe join forces against Assyria, who's their common enemy. Now, let me explain to you why that all goes with the context. In verse 3, we see God's response to all this. And notice what God says in verse 3. He says, all ye inhabitants of the world. So God is basically saying, I I want everybody to listen up. He says, and dwellers on the earth, see ye when he lifteth up an ensign. Now that word ensign, and to be honest with you, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that word right. Sometimes I mispronounce words, and every once in a while I just like to remind you. If I mispronounce a word, just remember, English is my second language, okay? So, uh, you know, show me some grace there. But when he lifteth up an ensign, and that word ensign means a flag or standard, especially a military or naval one indicating nationality. So here God is speaking. I believe the he there is God. And God says, when 
I lift up an ensign, when God says, when I put up a standard, when I put up a military flag and, and I'm getting ready to go to war, he says, when, when he lifted up an ensign on the mountains and when he bloweth a trumpet. Now, in the Bible, a trumpet was often uh, something that you would use to kind of rally the troops, to assemble the military. And he says, when he lifteth up an ensign on the mountains and when he bloweth a trumpet, hear ye. Now, here's what God is saying, and here's what you got to understand. God is saying, hey, Ethiopia, who's sending your ambassadors down to Israel, a land scattered and peeled, a land, uh, you know, terrible, hitherto, all these things. And he tells us later that it's Israel. He says, you're sending your ambassadors. And he said, you're, you're making all these plans because Assyria, your common enemy, is coming down to destroy you. And you want to set the alliances and you want to get all these uh, treaty signs so that you can help each other and defend each other. God says, time out and just let me, let me explain something to you. God says, when I get ready to go to war, when I get ready to put up an ensign, when I get ready to blow a trumpet, when I get ready to fight. Notice what he says, verse 4. He says, For so the Lord said unto me, I will take my rest, I will consider in my dwelling place like a clear heat upon earth, and like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. Verse 5. He says, For a four, that word a four means before. He says, For before the harvest... When the bud is perfect and the sour grape is ripening in the flower, he shall both cut off the sprigs, uh, and that's a small stem bearing leaves or flower, with pruning hooks, that's a cutting tool that you would use on, on plants or, or branches, and he says, and take away and cut down the branches. Now we've seen before where God illustrated uh, a, 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 a military battle that was so quick and so easy for an army to come in and destroy people. He said it was like a man just pulling up weeds and cutting it down. And here, God is kind of using that same terminology. He says, when I put up my ensign, when I blow my trumpet, when I go out to war, when I go out to battle, he said, it's going to be like taking a pruning hook and taking away some branches. It's going to be like I'm cutting down a plant. He said, it's not going to be very difficult for me. Now, notice verse 6. They shall be left together. He says, when I'm done doing what I'm going to do, he says, they shall be left together unto the fowls of the mountains. And to the beast of the earth, and the fowls shall summer upon them, and the beast of the earth shall winter upon them. And he's saying, when I'm done with the battle that I'm going to uh, put on these people, whoever they are, he says, by the time I'm done, all that's going to be left is carcasses and flesh left over for the fowls of the air and for the beast of the field. They're going to go spend their summers there and their winters there and they're going to just eat that flesh. He said, by the time I'm done with this whole thing, it's going to be so easy. He said, by the time I'm done with the war and the battle that I will put upon this nation, he said, all that's going to be left is flesh for the birds to eat. Now, it's interesting because keep your finger there in Isaiah 18. Go with me to Revelation chapter 19. This may be a reference to another battle that God will fight, and that is the battle of the Armageddon. And I just want to show you just some similarities. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, look at verse number 17. <clears throat> Revelation 19 and verse 17 should be fairly easy to find. Last book in the New Testament. Revelation 19 and verse 17 the Bible says, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, Notice what he says. And, and by the way, this is the battle of Armageddon. You can read the context on your own if you'd like. But notice what he says. This angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, Unto all the 
fowls. You see that? All the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven. Notice what he says to the birds. He says, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast. Now, the, the beast there is the Antichrist. And the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together. Now, for those of you that like to listen to dispensationalists and read their books and their preaching, the dispensationalists like to teach that at the Battle of Armageddon, the beast and the world powers are going to gather together to fight Israel. But the question is, is that what the Bible teaches? And notice what the Bible says, verse 19. And I saw the beast, which is the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against Israel. Is that what it says? It says to make war against him that sat on the horse, and that's Jesus Christ. They're not fighting Israel. It's not a war against Israel. It's a war against the person that they've all, all have always been warring against, which is Jesus Christ. The battle of Armageddon is not against the nation of Israel. It's against him that sat on the horse. He says they, made, they, they gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Verse 20, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into the lake of fire with brimstone, verse 21, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth. Pretty easy win. Now notice what he says at the end, verse 21. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Do you see that? So Isaiah 18, when he says, hey, when I'm done with this battle, all that's going to be left is flesh for the birds to eat. Maybe a reference to the Battle of Armageddon, because you've got to understand when you study the book of Isaiah, oftentimes prophecies have a dual application. They deal with the present time, but they also deal with uh, future events. And, and sometimes these things are a picture of something to come. Now notice, if you go back to Isaiah 18, look at verse number 7. Another reason why I believe that this, this may be uh, speaking about uh, end times prophecy, it may, it may, may not, but in verse 7, he says, in that time, and a lot of times when you read in that time in the book of Isaiah, we're talking about the time to come and, you know, the, the, the days that are still to come. He says, in that time shall the present be brought unto the Lord of hosts of a people scattered and peeled and from a people terrible from their beginning hitherto, a nation meted out and trodden underfoot, whose land the rivers have spoiled to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, the Mount Zion. So you say, well, Pastor Jimenez, what? is this chapter about? I don't know, <laughs> but I, I, here's what I do know. In chapter 8, 17, the Assyrians are coming down to destroy Israel. In chapter 18, you have a nation that the passage is too obscure for us to know exactly who it is, but you have a nation sending ambassadors to another nation, which we do know is Israel, in chapter 19, you have Assyria destroying Egypt. Chapter 18 is probably Ethiopia, because Ethiopia and Egypt are always together. It's a nation whose shadow goes further than the rivers of Ethiopia, but that would make sense for Ethiopia at the time, because the empire of Ethiopia went further than the borders of Ethiopia. 
And you have these ambassadors from Ethiopia sending, going down into Israel, probably making some sort of arrangement to be able to fight against Assyria. And God comes down and says through his prophet Isaiah to the children of Israel, he says, look, I know you're in trouble and I know you're scared and I know the Assyrians are just down the street and they're coming down to destroy you. And I understand all that. And I also know that the Ethiopians are going to send ambassadors and, and, and offer to help and offer to be with you and offer to fight. But God begins to explain to them, you shouldn't be looking to the Ethiopians for help. He says, because what the Ethiopians aren't able to do is what I'll be able to do, which is what when I can do, when I go to battle, when I go to war, when I sound the trumpet, when I put the ensign, he said, I can, I can protect you in such a way that all that will be left is just flies for the birds to eat. So the application is this. In our lives, for you and I today, in our lives, let us run to God first and not man. Because here you have a nation in trouble, and they have a choice. They can turn to God, or they can turn to Ethiopia. They can turn to the God that created them, the God that can protect them, the God that can help them, or they can look to man. And oftentimes, when we get into trouble, God is not the first one we go to. Let me just give you a a practical uh, example of this. The, every time I read through the story of the kings in the Bible, this always, uh, this always amazes me. Keep, keep your finger there in Isaiah. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. God is basically telling the children of Israel, He's saying, don't look to Ethiopia for your help. Don't look to Ethiopia for your strength. I can help you. I can protect you. Look to me first. Look to God first. He's telling them, hey, He's telling Israel, don't look to Ethiopia. He said, turn your eyes to me. And in our lives, it's the same way. Now, there's a lot of issues and there's a lot of things we go through. And we can talk about a lot of things. We can talk about finances. We can talk about relationships. But in the Bible, we're given these two stories that kind of, I believe they kind of highlight this idea for us. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 12, we find the story of Asa, who's not a a good king. But let's, let's just read a couple verses together. 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 12, the Bible says, And Asa, in the 39th year of his reign, was diseased in his feet. Until his disease was exceeding great, Isaiah, uh, 2 Chronicles 16, 12. Yet in his disease, notice what the Bible says, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. He was sick, he was scared, he was in trouble, but instead of turning to God, he turned to a man. The Bible says, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And what was the result? Verse 13, and Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. Now here's what's interesting. When you contrast Asa to another king, Hezekiah, that we'll be talking about later on in the book of Isaiah, but let's go ahead and look at it now. Go to Isaiah chapter 38. Look at verse 1. Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 1. It'll be a real short sermon tonight. Isaiah 38 and verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. Asa sought not the Lord, but to the physicians. Isaiah 38 and verse 1, the Bible says this. In those days, 
was Hezekiah sick unto death? So we have another king who's sick. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Now notice the difference between Asa and Hezekiah. Verse 2. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I want you to understand this. Go with me to Psalm 118. And like I said, we're, we're going to be done right now. But here's what I want you to understand. When you're in trouble, or when you're scared, or when you don't know what to do, it is our tendency to look to other men. When ambassadors show up and say, we can help. When ambassadors show up and say, we can protect you. When ambassadors show up and say, hey, you're in trouble, let us help you. It may be human tendency to want to look to man for help. It's human tendency. And I'm not, we're not Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm not saying, hey, if you're sick, don't go to the doctor. But, but here's what you understand. We ought to always have this attitude that we go to God first. That we look to God first. And living in America and living in the nation we live in, and we talked about it a few weeks ago, we're so distracted with so much prosperity. Hey, when you're in financial trouble, before you turn to the credit card or the check cashing store or the, the loan or the credit line or whatever, why don't you turn to God first and say, hey, God, can you help me with this? See, it's easy to say, well, the ambassador is here, and the ambassador helped me, and the ambassador could be a doctor, the ambassador could be a credit card, the ambassador could be somebody that's going to bail you out. But as Christians, we ought to always turn to God first. Asa sought not the Lord, but the physicians. Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall, and he prayed unto the Lord. Psalm 118, verse 8, kind of just puts this thought together. Psalm 118, and verse 8, the Bible says, It is better... To trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in ambassadors. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in physicians. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in bankers. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. And as Christians, let us just always remember that when things look hard and tough and maybe we don't know what to do, God may be sending an ambassador to help you, and God may be sending somebody to, to help you out, but let us always have this idea, because I believe that God almost got offended. When the ambassadors got off the ship and they walked into Israel, God said, wait, time out. You know why I brought Assyria? Because I wanted you to turn to me, not Ethiopia. And God will sometimes bring things into your life, and the whole point is this, that we will put our confidence in the Lord, not man. So the question for you is this. When you're in trouble, who do you turn to? Well, I got to go to the doctor. Have you prayed about it? Well, I got to talk to the banker. Well, have you prayed about it? Well, I got to talk to... Well, have you got on your knees and asked, at least asked God to know what he would have you to do? It is better to put confidence... To put, it is better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. If you can tell me a better explanation for Isaiah 18, I'd be happy to hear it. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, thank you for allowing us to be able to... Even when we, there's chapters we, we do, no one can grasp... 
Thank you for allowing us to be able to just see some truth and try to put things together. I pray that you would help us to just be conscious of the fact that sometimes things come into our lives just, just because God wants to see our reaction. Just because God wants to see what we will do. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to always put our confidence in God, to always put our trust in God, to always look to the Lord, and to not trust in man, to not put our confidence in man. Help us, Lord, to, to always just seek your will. And it's so easy to just have money in, in the bank and have, we have health insurance and we have this and we have that and, and we almost don't need God. Help us to never have that attitude. Help us to realize that it's always better to trust in the Lord. We love you, Father, in your precious name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing song number 293.